Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Brandy Veal to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. So, Brandy, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background working with libraries. So, uh, thank you, Laura, for having me here today. Or should I call you Dr. Laura? No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> no, you should like use that title. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> So I've been working in libraries for about seven years now. Um, actually, I uh, met my boyfriend about eight years ago uh-huh. and start, started volunteering in the school library that he worked in. Oh, and, okay. yeah. So like why I have always like loved libraries, I never really like thought about it like as a career option. Mm-hmm. I was kind of in a place in my life where I was like in school, like in out of school because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I knew that I wanted to pursue uh, a degree, but I didn't want to like settle on yeah. something. Yeah. Um, I wanted it to be usable. So yeah. um, long story short, I hated my job at the time. I was working, <laughs> I was working uh, at Target and, right. um, and I needed a change. So, and I really liked what he was doing. Um, he was a uh, library assistant and he, okay. um, and I had got to have conversations with a teacher librarian at his job. And I was like, wow, this sounds, you know, kind of awesome. Yeah. Like maybe I need to explore this. So, so I thought like, let me see if I could find similar work. So I really just applied for like library assistance mm-hmm. jobs across the board, both public and school libraries and it was a school library that contacted me first. Um, funny enough, he ultimately decided to leave the library world, but obviously I'm still here. And um, yeah, I don't ever plan on leaving. Okay. And so I did explore public librarianship a little bit during grad school. I did an internship just to make sure like I really was uh, sure about school libraries since mm-hmm. I was working in them. Um, and but ultimately, I chose to pursue school libraries because I love how it's a kind of a combination of both public libraries and academic libraries. It kind of brings like the best aspects from both. Interesting. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, so where are you now? Like, what what's what kind of school level are you working with, and what state? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So um, I graduated with my master's in library and information science may of last year mm-hmm. and um and I got my teacher librarian credential the year previously but I wanted to uh not work full-time while I did it so I was um so I was at my current job which is at a high school library okay. in um northern California okay and so uh, due to the pandemic, when I was going to start looking for jobs, I decided to hold back um, because I take care of a high-risk individual. Oh. And so um, luckily working at my current job, who ha- uh, which has been very supportive, I've been working remotely uh, as a library of media tech. Okay. And um, I've recently been hired to be a credentialed library consultant for a Northern California County Office of Education. Oh, so I've been doing that since. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I started doing that uh, this past January. Uh-huh. So um, that's really my um, 
like professional experience, like about seven years as a library tech, recent time um, at, as at my first credential position, which I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. And then um, behind the scenes a little bit, I've been really enjoyed being a part of um, local, state, and national library groups. Um, for me, that's a way for me to continue like my learning past school and just stay relevant and um because I'm a nerd and I just really like learning and growing <laughs> totally understand that for sure all right so when you think back to when you were starting and you may even want to just think back when you were were being maybe helping out what were those earliest years like I mean it sounds like you still are relatively new you know in, in what you're doing but um, what do you remember about those early years I would say yes I am definitely very new and really great um administrator uh, supervisors who really allowed me to spread my wing in a, wings and apply my uh, school, uh, my learning and my MLIS program directly in the library and giving me a little bit of free reign there. So I think that like what I would tell like, you know, first couple years library media assistant slash, you know, taking on some of those like higher level tasks. Uh, Brandy is just really like this job is not for the faint of heart. Like I like got into it and like, I realized that like there was a lot of to do with it because I had um, volunteered at another library, but there's like no time for reading. So, you know, little, little bit sad with that. Um, get to play, uh, see all those pretty books, but not always get to pick them up. Um, but honestly, just really bask in and learn from those student interactions yeah. because that's, honestly, where I learned the most. Um, yeah, just, you know, just being, I'm just happy to like learn from whoever's around me, the students, the staff and the teachers and just really get to know um, that school environment. Okay. All right. So right now, are you, you're, you're doing things remotely? That's what you were saying earlier? Yes. Okay. So what kind of things do you find yourself able to do um, from home? So, um, some of the things that I work on is I've been doing a lot of uh, collection development and management for okay. our library. So like including, um, I'm working currently on a diversity audit for um, um, my library site. Okay. And with that, I'm also doing work with um, uh, talking with teachers and collaborating with them and offering them um, supplementary items to help diversify their in-class uh, text. Okay. Um, because obviously the adopted textbooks are set mm -hmm. and I have less influence over that. But what I can influence is what they're bringing in to go along with that material. Because I think that like diversifying the library holdings in terms of books only goes so far when you're not representing that same ideology throughout the rest of the school. Mm -hmm. um, and really, I think that, um, so my undergrad background is um, in business, which, you know, people kind of laugh a lot when you say like, you had a business background and then got into the libraries. But like, to me, like it actually like fits really well and has like played into um, what I'm doing currently during 
the uh, pandemic because like business is always like about the bottom line improving value and so like included revamping our library website and then um, even more than that like analyzing both the library site uh, website and the school website for like how it's ADA compliant and just making sure that um, that the resources that we're offering digitally are truly accessible. That's good. Yeah. Uh, the interview that I recently had was with the uh, this, the Atlanta School for the Deaf, I believe. And it was just really interesting hearing her talk about accessibility because you know, we think about it as, you know, just to support. And for her, that's just everything has to be that way, you know, and, and we all need to think that way. Um, but we haven't necessarily started doing that yet. So you're, you're very right. No, I think it's very hard to uh, begin the work of shifting your perspective to be more inclusive in ways that you might not know about. Right. So, no, I'm definitely diving into that kind of research and expanding my frame of reference That's in terms good. of my privileges. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I was telling her that there was so much that she could share, you know, with, with the rest of us. And, and for her, it's just her normal thing. And I was like, no, but for all of us, it's not. So, you know, there's a, yeah, it's all- a lot of good things you could tell us about. All right, so Brandy, you, you've seen the role, actually you've seen the different kinds of roles librarians play, you know, when you talked about public or academic and, and now school, but how do you kind of see the, the impact that a school librarian has or can have on a campus? I will say that the type of influence a school librarian has really depends on the individual and, um, and the site, because I think a lot of us know that there can be some sites are more um, intimidating than others when it comes to introducing library services. But from my experience, it's the best way to assert influence is to like step a little bit away um, from your ego in terms of like, as a librarian, we know that library services are important. Like we don't need to preach to the uh, the choir of other librarians, but we need to step back from that soapbox when we're dealing with like teachers um, and administration because they're not, they're not necessarily looking for you to explain why the library is important, but rather show them. Mm-hmm. And so that in my experience, that's me. Um, I try to go out of my way to look for the needs Um, look at the needs and look at goals set by the school and match that with what the work that I'm doing within the library and so like I try to be solutions oriented if I have an idea or something I'm not just going to present it to administration I'm going to come with a fully worked out plan and I'm going to have that fully worked out plan connected to um, funding goals and school site goals as well as district goals because I like to come plan with if you're going to give me a no, you're going to really think about it before you come out with that no. <laughs> that's true. And that's where your business background is going to come in handy, you know, helping you kind of flesh out that big picture, you know, for everybody to, to be able to catch the vision of what you're saying. But you're right. And so I think a lot of times, too, like when you're planning special events or special things you want to do, we, we may not have the whole picture either. I can remember when I started out, you know, wanting to plan like a family uh, Saturday event. And the principal's like, well, sure, but who's going to clean up, you know, and who's going to come in and open the school that has keys and who's going to, I was like, okay, you know, (laughs) but what you're talking about is you're, you're putting out that big picture, you know, making the connection to all different things. So that's, that's good. 
Very good. I mean, I think that um, I would say an example, like I definitely have those times where, you know, events don't turn out how I want them to. Like um, one of those sessions I um, prepared with um, my first mentor at my site was we had like a beginning of the year welcome session in the library where we displayed all of our new books and we had run throughs of our databases because it was the first time we had paid databases for the school mm -hmm. and the draw was you know come and chat with us and we also have coffee and donuts yes. and so yeah like you know everyone came for the coffee and donuts but they were also you know trying to sneak out after they got that donut and so it's kind of being like strategic about it and thinking like you know I know that they're not necessarily coming from what we want them to come from yeah. but like spinning it to say this is how it specifically applies to your classes and get them talking about themselves mm -hmm. and think about how you, what you're doing can better serve them and not give them more work. Yeah, definitely. That's mm. good. Yeah, I saw one time, of course, we all know food, you know, we'll, we'll attract <laughs> what you're saying, but um, I had seen where a lady um, had created these little cubes and had put them on tabletops whenever teachers were coming in and it would be things like how I could help you, you know, so they were not like a knife, <gasps> but it was, you know, a big paper one and, and the teachers- I've seen that. Yeah, they were picking it up and looking and um, turning all the sides over. So, you know, that's just, but you're, we have to get them thinking about their own stuff and then how we support them. And that's what she was trying to show, you know, on all the faces, you know, of that cube. So that's cool. fun. Yeah, it was something different and fun. All right. So you talked about um, like diversity audits. How did you even know where to begin um, when you're doing that kind of thing? It really comes back to what has propelled me in this job and what keeps me in this job because again being a teacher and being a teacher librarian at that you run into a lot of roadblocks mm -hmm. and it can just be like honestly a lot of the times it can be a frustrating job yeah. and for me what keeps it from not being frustrating to the point of, you know, like slamming the doors and leaving the library is just like focusing on the students and um, how uh, in education, you know, we like to promote this student first mindset. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the needs that we have as adults looking at that can get in the way. Mm -hmm. So like, I feel like this like connects me to like the idea of like, a lot of discussions in the media and in school is about like this big learning loss that we're gonna have to deal with when we're all back in person because uh, after the pandemic, but like it really is this adult problem that we're foisting onto children. And it's, it's kind of upsetting to me because I don't think that that actually takes a student first mentality. Um, I think our time would be better focused on building relationships with students so that when we do get back in the physical spaces, we know individualized student needs based off of the relationships we built during distance learning. And I know that's hard with time restraints and everything, mm -hmm. but for me, when I think of the most important thing when it comes to be putting students first, it's about making students feel seen. Mm -hmm. And so, um, there's, I hope, hope everyone knows like the concept in um, the library world of windows, mirrors, sliding glass doors and prisms. And um, if you don't, you should definitely 
do a quick Google, but like just the idea that, you know, books offer different types of views into different worlds and your own. And I really like the new one of prisms about how, depending on your lived experiences, okay. um, it's a, a book is like a prism where if you you're surrounded by people and holding it up to the light where everybody is standing in relation to the prism, the light will refract differently. And so with the book, wherever you are with your lived experiences, you're not going to have the same, uh, interaction with that story as someone else because books always meet us at our at our points of need and I think that to me that's what education should be doing too and not focus on this one size fit all mentality so yeah. so with me so like when we talk about a diversity audit for me that started by doing an internal audit that meant I am a black woman that gives me certain, um, uh, that places me in certain marginalized groups within our country. Mm -hmm. However, that doesn't mean that I don't have other privileges. Um, I'm middle class. I, um, I, school has always been an area for strength, of strength for me. It's always been a place that I succeed, but I also recognize that school's always been a place where I succeed because school is built for someone like me. Mm -hmm. And I think that growing up, I really noticed this um, a lot because uh, I have siblings with learning disabilities who really struggle through school. And I feel like it's not that because they weren't smart and capable, but it's rather because the system wasn't necessarily built for them. Mm -hmm. And so I do an internal audit to recognize how my privileges, my implicit biases, what stereotypes I might bring personally yeah. influence what I might do professionally. And so to try to strip those away. And I think about that in terms of like culturally responsive uh, pedagogy, which I'm a huge proponent for and how it intersects with like social emotional learning because we need to do both the personal and the cur curricular needs assessment with students um, in our instructional goal setting so that we're working to meet students at their point of need so that we don't leave behind those kids who aren't, you know, like me, who are like, you know, ready and add and are already a book learner. Like we need to customize education and leave behind that one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and for the listeners, that the windows, mirrors, sliding glass doors, if you want to look that up, if you just put that phrase in Google, you know, you will get hits. Um, but it is um, Dr. Rudin Sims Bishop, you know, that kind of coined that as a saying. Do you know where the prisms came from? That's actually a new one for me. I'm not familiar. Yes. Um, uh, I, you know, I can't get back to you on that. Yeah, that, but I am blanking on the name right now. Yeah. But you're right, definitely need to uh, uh, give credit to that because it's such an awesome idea. Yeah, and it, I mean, maybe it was her also. I'm just not familiar with, it, with that, that add-on. It was not her. Not her, okay. All right. No, it was someone revisiting the work of uh, Dr. Bishop. Okay, um, mm. this brilliant, I love, I've heard this, like a speech on YouTube, you know, you can hear her talk about that. And there's all kinds of writings about it that are very insightful. So, all right. So when you're thinking about um, 
really becoming aware of yourself and what, what you were mm -hmm. just saying that, that um, you were calling an internal audit. Um, what other kind of things would you recommend to like first year or early career librarians who are, who are wanting to start thinking about this kind of thing in their own life? Um, so yeah, I definitely mentioned that internal audit and just really recognizing that your beliefs personally, yes, the library is supposed to be a, a, uh, a non-biased place, but in reality, we're humans. We can't separate ourselves from bias, mm -hmm. but we can't always work to do better. And so that just means like really getting to know yourself and how that interacts, intersects with the students that you serve. Mm -hmm. But I think more than that, because um, this, work, this work is really hard, this work is ongoing. And um, so uh, I think that um, attached to this is a link to this, um, a website that this group that I'm a part of created that gives some awesome beginner steps on doing an internal audit. Okay. But I think that um, also look at who you surround yourself with. Personally, look at the type of the people in your life and see if you have diversity within your circle of uh, of people who influence you. Mm -hmm. And like, think about that in terms of like, uh, we like to focus a lot on racial diversity, which is very important, but we also want diversity within that diversity right. and like want to look at like intersectionality and how, um, just how people differ from one another. But in professional work, I don't know where I would be right now if I hadn't have had great mentors at the beginning. Yeah. Like, my first year, I knew that I loved the library, but I had not done all my research yet. And I had no idea that I needed a base level credential in California before even getting the teacher librarian credential. And so if I hadn't have met her when I did, mm -hmm. it would have taken me a lot longer to get to this point. Yeah. So just from an informational standpoint, um, I really just highly respect my mentors. But also you just need somewhat a safe space to talk about these topics and to have people to push you to grow. And, and if you don't know where to form your like teacher librarian community, because I know I work in a district where the only officially paid uh, teacher librarian, um, there's only one um, wow. in the whole district, mm -hmm. which, you know, it's quite upsetting. And so, you know, it might be hard to form those kind of connections, but I recommend getting involved if you have local groups, if you have state groups, and if you have national. I know like uh, the American Association of School Libraries seem awesome. I've been getting more involved with the American Library Association. I know that that's a little hard, harder to push into, um, but like the state organizations, I feel like I know mine in particular, like if you're in California, we can always use more help, but it's like such like a wonderful group to learn from. Um, I co-chair a committee that focuses on uh, diversity, equity, inclusion um, within the organization and how that impacts students um, that we serve in California. And within that group, um, honest, I've only been in this role for like six months now, but in this role, I've learned so much from them Mm -hmm. as people and as educators that have pushed me to up, up my game personally. Yeah, yeah I, I love to tell people that, you know, we're, you hear PLCs all the time, you know, but I think of those as school-based and, you know, focused on student things that 
at that particular campus, but we really have to grow our own professional learning network, which to me is what you're saying, the teacher library um, community, because that's who is going to push you. You know, that is who's where your ideas are going to broaden because, you know, they're from another state or another district because you know how things are at your school, your district, and it's different everywhere. So just having other people who can tell you, you know, plan B, C, D, E, all the way to Z, you know, when your plan A didn't work out, it's awesome to have, you know, all those different voices, you know, that can chime in and cheer you on and encourage you to, you know, to hang, to stick in there and, and keep doing the good things you're doing. So. Exactly. Like, I don't know if you uh, heard of Casey Boyd, like a phenomenal, uh, yeah, librarian in um, uh, DC, I believe. Yes. And I believe that it was her, like that I just saw her at a conference where she talked about I believe it's her, I'm sorry if I'm misquoting anyone, but it was like uh, a PLF, like a planned learning family, oh, which okay. I like really like the idea of, especially when we're talking about DEI work, because you're approaching issues that really, like if they're not making, if it's not, if the work isn't making you uncomfortable, then you're probably not doing it correctly. And so with that in mind, you want to surround yourself with people who are going to let you grow let you mistakes mm -hmm. uh, let you make mistakes and then push you to recover from that and yeah. continue the work mm -hmm. so I just really like this idea of a planned learning family because uh we education has always been one way and to break those barriers it's it's hard mm -hmm. so we need people who are going to support us in that process I'm gonna have to look that phrase up that's a good phrase I'll have to investigate yeah. that a little bit more that's awesome all right. Okay. So Randy, you've told us, you, you know, you get involved with um, professional organizations to stay sharp. Are there any other kind of things that you do um, to help yourself keep learning? Uh, recently, I have become more engaged in Twitter. And I will say this, I feel like I made my Twitter account probably two years ago okay. and didn't really post because I was just so overwhelmed by just the <laughs> sheer amount of information on Twitter, which I know that a lot of people are yeah. like, I'm a millennial. So like, I know, like, I'm very tech, like I, like, you know, have that life where like, I still remember uh, pre-tech life. But like my high, uh, high school, middle school years were very uh, tech heavy, but like Twitter still gets to me. <laughs> um, but honestly, once you get past that fear of and accept kind of like the idea, you're not going to read every book in your library. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see every tweet. Once you get yeah. past that, there's such a wealth of information. And it's just like, if you can like have conversations on Twitter, like you're learning from educators from all around the world and I just you know take that first leap make that account and uh follow some hashtags yes yeah that, that, I've had to show people how to do that 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 you know that search bar can help you connect with all kinds of people and but using that hashtag is gonna help you find them you know pretty easily so that's good all right, so Brandy, I am quite sure that our listeners today um, have learned a lot from you and that they're gonna wanna keep learning from you. So where will they find you online so they can um, connect with you? So I mentioned I am on Twitter now. You can find me at 
uh, veal underscore brandy. Um, that's brandy with an I and veal just like the meat. Okay. Uh, I am on Instagram. It's more of my social views if you want to see that feel free to follow but I do occasionally like post pictures of my library space but that's probably not going to be as prevalent until I'm back in person obviously um and then lastly um my committee through the California School Library Association has a very much I just you know I like just put this out there very much a work in progress and um my friend actually came up with the tagline, just as this work, as EDI work is an ongoing process, so is our website. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, definitely, <laughs> exactly, it's a living document. Check that out. We're adding resources all the time that okay. have helped us personally in our journeys That's and cool. our school library work. Okay, so for the listeners, I will have the show notes where you can... Um, click from your podcast app and be able to go and check out some of the resources she's talked about. It'll have her Twitter link and Instagram. And I'll also put that website that she's mentioning about her with her committee work for the California School Library Association. But Brandy, it's been awesome talking to you today. Um, nice to meet you. And I look forward to, to learning more from you. It's always um, great to reach out to others across our great United States of America. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, this was really fun. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, we well, have a good day. Bye-bye.